super proud of you for this episode, girl. I just listened to you and took hella notes on just how you have grown. I'm so proud of you, Deja. I cannot wait for this season to take off for you, girl. I'm so proud. Keep it up. Super excited to be here, uh, you know, tried starting this podcast over and over and over today like five times, but we're, we're in the groove now. So anyway, I'm back. As you know, took a pretty long break from the podcast for necessary reasons. If you want to catch back up on my life, figure out where I've been, why I ghosted y'all, why half of my episodes are gone, but I'm trying to figure out how to get back up for you guys. Uh, you know, go listen to season two, episode one. But today... I have one of my sister friends with me. She has been with me through every step of the way over this last year. And, you know, we're just going to talk about all the things in our hot girl summer. So, if you want to introduce yourself, Kyla. Hey, everybody. I am super excited to be here. Thank you for having me, Deja. I feel like it's been a long time coming. Yes. Um, <laughs> hustle and soul. I've been a fan. I've been a supporter. So, when you asked me to be here... I was super, I was super excited and grateful. You know, I feel like we are both in this like state of gratitude and open minded, open mindedness. Um, and so I'm looking forward to this conversation. We always have super organic, long winded conversations. Yeah, so we'll try to, yeah, we'll try to keep it, keep it real swift, but also real authentic. Um, yeah. So that's we're why we're gonna try. Try yeah. is a key word. Try. Yes. We literally will sit up and talk for like five hours. If for we sure. Can. For <laughs> sure. And I think you know, just buckle up. <laughs> okay. Well, Kyla said, "Get ready." So get ready. <laughs> so Kyla, tell us a little bit about yourself. How we met, where you're from, what you're doing in life, your platform for people who are listening who may not know you. Yeah, so um, officially I am Kyla or Kyla Ariel as it relates to my social. Um, it's my first and middle name, y'all, not that special. But <laughs> I am f- originally from Chicago, Chicago, Illinois, um, south side of Chicago to be more specific because that matters. <laughs> right um no but i've been in dallas we moved here in 2011 um i've probably been in dallas like for real for real maybe three years if you count high school um so rewind deja and i met probably like 2011 2012 um so when i moved here to dallas i moved to frisco which was a change was, <laughs> to say the least if like, you know you know if you know you know right so being from the south side of chicago it is all black not majority 100 percent thousand trillion black um, i had a very black culture upbringing which i love and i'm super grateful for but moving to dallas was new you know it was new but it was probably necessary um definitely a culture shock living in the suburbs but yeah so that's how i got to texas um 
lived here for two years in high school, went, or yeah, junior and senior year of high school here. Me and Deja met somewhere, somewhere in between there. I don't really know specifically. I feel so, like, oh, what happened was, <laughs> right. Are we going into like why we met and like the friend groups and the guys and you know, like, is that coming up? So I knew Kyla before she knew me better than Richard. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You tell it, you tell it. So. Me and my friends, we were in for the night, nothing was happening, you know, we were little bad, fast tail girls, didn't want to go to the mall, we were like, what's popping? So, we were on Twitter, and somebody posted the address for, <laughs> for a party at a hotel. Yes. We didn't know if it was like, people got a hotel room and were turning up there, or like, what kind of party it was, but we just knew we was bored, it was 15 minutes away, and we were going to go. So, we hopped in the car, flew down 75, lapped up in the backseat, mm-hmm. really should have mm-hmm. got a ticket, but we didn't, <laughs> praise God. And we pulled up, and it's like, my super sweet 16 in the ballroom of the hotel, and we were like, what? we don't know who birthday it is, but we finna <laughs> turn up, so <laughs> we like bum rushed the dance floor and then more friends from high school started coming. I guess the address or the party was just like making its way around Twitter because yeah. that's what we did in 2011. You know. mm-hmm. And so yeah, we basically crashed Kyla's Sweet 16, had no idea who the birthday girl was until we saw her in her dress, wished her a sweet happy birthday and kept dancing. And then we left. and it wasn't until I think maybe like later on in that school year when I became friends with someone else who she grew up with in Chicago who was actually going to my school Mm -hmm. that was like oh that's that girl who's party party we crashed right she's cool so I'm gonna be her friend (laughs) (laughs) so we ended up like becoming friends going to prom in the same group and we just kind of stayed connected like Probably mostly through Instagram when we left for college because I went to UNT, which is not far from Dallas, maybe like 45 minutes to an hour away. And Kyla went to LSU, but we stayed connected and then just kind of like organically built this sisterhood and held each other down through the ups and downs of entrepreneur life, which we'll mm-hmm. talk about soon. Yeah. But yeah, and so that's how we became friends. And yeah, but long story short, I crashed her party. She didn't yeah, know. you know, <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it though, you know, because I had just moved to Texas. The reason I had a Sweet 16 in the first place, you know, my Super Sweet 16 was popular back then. Mm-hmm. But when we moved from Chicago, I basically guilt tripped my parents into giving me something because I did not want to move, you know? And so they were like, okay, we'll do a sweet 16. And when I got here, um, all the kids at my high school were like legitimately having sweet 16s, you know, the whole nine planning, step and repeat, um, fashion show. I think we walked at my sweet 16 cakes and decor. And so, yeah, (laughs) I didn't know anybody. Hence, the address being on Twitter. (laughs) I literally lived in Texas for what, like... But mm, barely, not even six months, like four, three, four months. And so I literally hadn't met anyone but like the people that went to my high school. So <laughs> shout out to Liberty Kids. For yeah, you know, Liberty like, pulled up and showed her <laughs> her birthday party. We didn't know who the girl was. Yeah. But then we all became like friends next school year. So it's right. fine. It's fine. Right. So, you know, moving on, <laughs> moving on from high school. So that was two years of being um, a kid and then went Not to LSU, kid. literally went to LSU <laughs> in 2013, go Tigers, um, and spent four years there, was four in and out, um, super great years. And then I lived in LA. So this past year, August of 2018 to August of, no, August 2017 to August of 2018. Yeah. yeah. So I've been in Dallas probably a year since then. But yeah, I lived in, lived in LA, did production work, was an assistant, you know, front desk work, just trying to make ends meet. Um, and I didn't love living there, but I loved my work, like with my heart and soul. Um, 
but just had to do what I had to do. So I came back to Dallas. It's been almost a year and it has literally been amazing. And I'm so glad that I made the transition. It's been so much fun. Um, so question. Ooh, this what is it? Plan. Okay, okay, okay. So okay. here we go. We're yeah, jumping in. Let's do it. So, um, I, so we weren't that close whenever you first moved to LA, but uh-huh. I distinctly remember like being on Instagram stories and you posted, I guess, a picture of like a plane ticket or something. Okay. You were like the first day of, like it was like some eerie message about like new beginnings or some mm-hmm, shit, but mm-hmm. I didn't even know like what mm-hmm. you were doing, where you're going or what was happening. Uh-huh. And so later we got closer and started talking. I found out you're in LA. Mm-hmm. So, and you're living like the entrepreneurship life, right. side hustle, doing all the things. Um, and I guess my question for you is like, you moved to a city that a lot of people like work their behind off trying to get to uh-huh. and be successful in uh-huh. and you had high hopes and you know your thoughts and expectations on what it was going to be like whenever you moved out there and it wasn't that mm-hmm. and you decided to move back home um so what drew you to LA and then when you got to LA and you had your experience there what made you be like okay this is not for me anymore and what gave you the courage to make that decision mm-hmm. Because I know you, and we're both sadists, so right. I know how it go. Yeah. When you probably think, like, you can kind of have imposter syndrome and think that people think you're a failure yeah. or, like, yeah, be super yeah. critical of you moving back home when probably they wasn't even thinking about you. But yeah. how did you, what was the decision that was made that made you want to go to L.A.? And mm-hmm. then what was the decision that called you back home? And how did you have the strength and courage to, like, do that mm-hmm. and say, yeah, so initially, um, I visited LA like during senior year fall break, and I'm not gonna lie to you, I didn't love it. It wasn't as really, yeah. Well, it was it was just like a touristy vacation, okay. and that always like is kind of misleading. Um, number one, LA was not what you saw in like movies and stuff the <laughs> first time around. Um, it wasn't as clean as I imagined it to be. Um, we only went for like four days, if I remember correctly, and we just did really touristy things. Yeah. And so I'm not a fan, like, coming from a city, like a big city, I like to know the ins and outs and mm-hmm. do that kind of stuff. And so during the touristy stuff was fun for a short while, um, and it very much is like, it called, it, it allows you to dream. Um, but returning back to L.A. or returning back to Louisiana from L.A. because I was in college at the time. I was like, you know, that was a cool trip. Don't know mm-hmm. if I could live there, but whatever. Fast forward. So in Louisiana, we get Mardi Gras break. Um, I had done Mardi Gras all three years prior. Um, and then the se- my senior year, that break, you get like a week or five days. Mm-hmm. Um, that break, I was like, I don't really have to do Mardi Gras again. I want to get out of Louisiana, um, just experience something new. And so I went back to L.A. Mm-hmm. A best friend of mine, Danielle, who I ended up moving to LA with, mind you. Um, she was doing like study abroad-ish. Um, and so she lived there for that semester, her last semester. And so when I visited her, she like had all the plug-ins of like real LA. See the city for real. Exactly. Bro. And so we like went to like all the poppin' like um, hole in the walls and like the speakeasies. Yeah. And like I hung out with like older crowd. Everyone in LA, um, even when I lived there, seemed to be like, like not way older like in their older 20s but you know like so much happens between 23 and 28 years old and so they just show like a different side and so me and Danielle were like well Danielle was already moving there to work Mm -hmm. in production and I was like I'm coming with Um, and at the time once I graduated college my grandfather had actually passed away um, and so he left all of his grandkids $5,000 to get specific Um, (laughs) and so that was enough money to use you know yeah. plus graduation money it just it just all aligned yeah. um 
not his death. That was that was sad. Um, but it just gave me it gave me a chance to like start fresh mm-hmm. to go after what I wanted, um, which was or is. Well, then it was just to work in entertainment mm-hmm. um, and to just pursue what kind of made my spirit feel full. Anything involving entertainment and like red carpet. At the time, I thought I wanted to be a host. So red carpet hosting, um, mm-hmm. things like that. And so once I got there, I just hit the ground run- running, literally. Yeah. Um, they talk about like post-college depression. I literally didn't experience that at wow. all in well, LA. Well, God bless you because yeah. I had to Well, no, hard. at all in LA. Like when I moved back, we can get into that. Okay. But beforehand, it was like I literally hit the ground running. Yeah. I knew we found an apartment. Luckily, we could afford it. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew I had to make some shake. So like immediately, that's where the front desk job came from. I like applied on Craigslist and D, like all that. I got a great, it happened to be a great front desk job down the line because that's where I became my entrepreneurial like work mm-hmm. um, doing social media management. But yeah, so I started their front desk and then I found a host and I knew that I wanted to learn from her. Shout out to Stacy, Stacy I. <laughs> One take Stace. Um, now it's my, like, we're like sisters now. But before, you know, it was new. That's where my assistant job came from. And then working in production, working mm-hmm. on live shows like, BET, the Oscars, all the, cool all, the, all the very cool, fun shows we see from the mm-hmm. outside looking in. Um, so just getting experience working on the scene, behind the camera, sometimes in front, you know, working in digital, just all super fun things and things that I really never imagined myself doing. Right. So that's why yeah. I have to like get into that because it kind of leads back to the question that I asked, like, or the second half of what made you want to come back right. and what made you yeah. feel okay with doing that. Because yeah. for me, um, I didn't hop right into entrepreneurship right side outside of college, mm-hmm. but I worked with an influencer since I think it was like my junior year of college, mm-hmm. um, got a full time job, took a break from it because I really, truly just did not have the energy to do both. And life happened and it worked out in a line to where her and I could be working together again. So I was doing all the cool stuff too, behind the scenes on set and helping plan content and getting mm-hmm. to travel mm-hmm. and not have to pay for nothing and like oh, girl, getting yeah. to live that life. And it was so much fun and it was. I didn't know that's what I wanted to do. It's just like you found yourself in it. Until yeah, until yeah. I found myself doing it. And yeah. I was like, wow, I really love this. Like I think this is what I'm passionate about. At least it's I know what I don't want to do mm-hmm. from my previous agency and I know the direction that I want to go in with my career. And that snowballed into another opportunity, into another client, another yeah. opportunity to where I had kind of built this roster of clients mm-hmm. that I was doing social media management and project management and assisting for. Until I hit a wall in January, with, like it just wasn't fun anymore. I was drained. I was burnt out. I feel like all my creativity was just being sucked out of me for all my other clients, and I just wasn't happy. But and I knew I wanted to go back and work somewhere full time. I knew specifically it had to be similar to what I was doing because I did love like the actual job description and like activities. But doing it for so many different clients and not having anyone to tell me to clock out. Or go home Mm -hmm. or like take a lunch break like it was really taxing on my spirit and so a full-time opportunity came out of nowhere and I had to make the decision to say okay I don't want this life anymore like I'm gonna go back to nine to five and it's like I had this this weird guilt that people were gonna judge me or that I was being selfish or like not taking advantage for all of all that Mm -hmm. life had presented to me because 
so many people, even in their 30s, are working to be in that position to work for themselves and right. have that flexibility and that freedom that we both had. And we both were like, uh, cool. It's but no, I don't cool. want to do it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and go back to nine to five life, which people are like, right. so Ew. up in arms about trying right. to leave. Yeah. So I guess what was, did you feel that? Or was that part of the reason yeah. why you decided to leave LA? And like, how did you work through that as someone who's like a perfectionist and mm-hmm. entrepreneurial in spirit, but you got to pay bills. Right. And like, yeah. How did that, how did you come to that decision? <laughs> Um, you know, you said it. Number one, gotta pay bills. Um, <laughs> and it's not even like, cause I was making it work, like 100% making it work. I could pay my bills. So probably like the first three months, I remember my mom having to help out mm-hmm. and I didn't like the way that felt because I was never, um, the child who like wanted that. Yeah. Um, and so once I was able to sustain myself, I was making it work, mm-hmm. but Right along with making it work comes work. Yeah. You know, and that's where the burnout comes from because I find myself working three jobs a day sometimes, every day working two jobs, never not working two jobs when I lived in LA. Yeah. Um, And it's like I said, some points working three. And so it was a point I was falling asleep on the road. And that's not me. Like at a red light, falling asleep and then waking up like, oh my gosh, like shook, shaken to my core. Um, And so that was like the initial, like, probably hint Mm -hmm. at like okay maybe things need to be a little bit different um and then danielle my roommate and best friend she was at um dr phil she was Mm -hmm. a pa for dr phil and which is production assistant for y'all don't know um and so she wasn't entirely loving her job and so she started talking to me about it um and in the beginning it really didn't phase me i was like man what am i gonna do without my best friend here um, living in LA, but I also wasn't like, I'm, I, I can adjust very mm-hmm. easily. So I wasn't like super worried about her leaving. Um, and so she probably start, started talking about that, like towards the end of the year. Um, and then I'm trying to think, um, I saw, I, I fell in love with social media, um, from, from the like inside standpoint, social media management. Um, but then eventually, you know, like you kind of said, it just wasn't fun anymore. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot. Um, I put a lot of, to, to work, but like working so many jobs at one time, um, it just kind of, it just felt like I didn't have enough time in the day. Yeah. Um, and so I would have right. to go sit at my front desk job at eight or 9am. Mind you, LA traffic is trash. Okay. <laughs> I lived in North or I lived in the Valley, which is like North of Hollywood or like North Hollywood, basically. Um, and my commute was an hour and a half one way. So I was losing three hours a day yeah, in, in traffic. traffic. Um, luckily that, Ooh, that, yes, <laughs> luckily the three hours, you know, I got to like talk on the phone and make sure I caught up with friends. Mm-hmm. I thought we had like conversations during that time. Literally she um, was always in the car when we were on bro, the phone. Bro, always. That's how always. I, like, that is how I kept my relationships going. Now I going. looked up and it's like an hour and 10 minutes in. I'm like, yo, it's still not it's still, girl, I used to have to make sure I had like snacks in the car. Because if I didn't, I would get like a major headache. So it was like, I mean, that's a lot where a lot of my like newfound self-awareness came mm-hmm. from because I got to like listen to podcasts and sermons yeah. and like talk to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was super helpful. But losing three hours of your day is not fun, mm-hmm. especially when you want to be productive. Yeah. Um, so that was, that's number one reason for why I didn't want to live there for sure. Finances were probably second um, just because we want to work smarter, not harder. Yeah. Like I'm never the person who needs to keep up with the Joneses. Like anything that I like or care for is just because I'm interested in it. Mm-hmm. But I never felt like, oh, I need it. Like I got to have this to be like this kind of person. Mm-hmm. And LA is very much like that. Um, it's very much about status. It's very much about like who knows you. Um, 
like where you're ranked and people there aren't are kind of like um surface level and I'm mm -hmm. a very like genuine person I love to cultivate like those authentic real relationships yeah. and I mean I got lucky because those that I worked with were pretty genuine but it just it wasn't fulfilling me and I think I had to realize like you don't have to do this yeah. like this is not something that is required yeah um and so I remember one day you know I think it was coming back because this is the other thing I would go home for like holidays um or like for some occasion mm -hmm. like go to Dallas or go to Louisiana um and I would have to like get on the flight and I never in my life ever lived somewhere and dreaded going back to where I lived. Aww. Yeah. And so being moved at a young age at 15 from my hometown, all I knew to go to Dallas, like I didn't even experience that there. And so when I started to feel like that, like going back to LA, I was like, okay, this means something. And it's time to just like check in with yourself and, and try to discover what that means. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was like, I think coming home for like, from Christmas or like New Year's. I think that's when it was like, I was starting to accept it more that I just didn't love living there. Like I yeah. love my work. I love the people I work with. Um, it just wasn't a good fit. Yeah, it wasn't a good fit and it wasn't you what I thought it would be. It. Yeah, you know, and, and I always say, you never know where you might find yourself being in the future. Mm -hmm. But a lot of it also has to do with like where you are in life, maturity level. I was mm -hmm. 22. Yeah. Like, which is still hella young, but to us it's like, we I just went, feel like I, we gotta have our stuff together, like yes, in all aspects. I moved to LA at 21 years old. Yeah, like, I didn't turn 23 there. I turned 23 in Dallas when yeah. I moved back. I moved. At, I was 21 and 22 years old, like making it work. And so, yeah. I mean, that just goes to show myself, like you gonna make things work regardless. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter where you are. Um, and then the biggest thing for me was just working in like the entertainment industry, seeing how much I loved it and just learning so much and picking up and taking notes and soaking everything in. I'm like, I could do this exact thing in Dallas. Yeah. Um, more specifically speaking, working as an influencer, working mm -hmm. with brands, blogging because I love to write. Um, and just taking... Cause a market like that that's overly saturated or an industry like that that's overly saturated, it, it doesn't bother me. Yeah. It doesn't scare me at all, but it's like... Why would I stay in this one specific area where all these people are doing the same thing mm -hmm. as opposed to taking what I know and what I'm learning on the daily somewhere else that's lacking mm -hmm. and building off that, you know, what, what's the better trade off? Smarter, not exactly. Harder. Smarter, not harder. And so we're talking less traffic, um, getting a job that is ultimately paying more, not paying rent to move home mm -hmm. um, and sacrifice that independence for a little while and just ultimately doing what I love in like a different way yeah because uh, as much as I love entrepreneurship it was also something that I felt like was being stuffed down our throats like Bruh. you're right we're like, <laughs> literally mood um, <laughs> being 21 and 22 and having a you're having control of your own schedule that's a lot of like power and yeah. that's a lot of consistency like yeah. being able to take flights like you said paid for and Living also creating this content <laughs> calendar for another client I couldn't believe I was doing it half the time it felt unreal it felt unreal and I also like gotta pat myself on the back for like how successful I was because when I got my first social media management client like I said it was like my front desk job um, and so it was a sugaring salon. If y'all aren't familiar with sugaring, it's a form of hair removal. Um, and so basically I pitched myself to them like, listen, I can get your business and your clientele up. Um, y'all are already in a great location. They were in Santa Monica. Santa Monica is super ritzy. So they were making money at that salon, but they had other salons that they could see bigger return, uh, you know, yeah. ROI on. So pitched myself, my price, um, and went from there. 
Um, it worked, yeah. And so that was like my first little side hustle. And then I was just also kind of dusting off those social media skills as an assistant working with Stacy because I was doing everything under the sun when you're assistant, and that's just the reality right. of it. Like, everything. I mean, I'm image consultant. Mine is like I wasn't styling, but you know, when we pull her looks, I would do hair and makeup. Sometimes, so, literally, do them myself. Like, let's let's make that clear. Putting shoes putting on, shoes getting on, Starbucks, ordering the Postmates, girl, oil and skin. Like, <laughs> I mean, but granted, that was literally the most memorable helpful fulfilling experience of my life yes um, and i'll let y'all in on a secret i was not paid so there's our difference there and me and deja she knows this we've talked about this we've had long yeah. conversations mm-hmm. about each other's situations <laughs> um and so i had to make it work but that's how i got to essence fest and that's how i got to mm-hmm. um like working on bet from a different angle not just like behind the scenes in production and that's how i got to like black you know, film festivals in, in, in Miami and, and just so much fun. And we were, we'd be in Vegas. I traveled so much in 2018. Um, actually, I haven't flown mm, all year. Because <laughs> I told myself, like, you're going to chill. Like, this is the year of healing. If you follow Transformation Church, this is the year of release. Um, and so I'm taking yes, that super seriously. Mm-hmm. We can dive into that a little later. But all that to say, like, I just... It was time for me to be real with myself, mm-hmm. to listen to myself and what I wanted, and I didn't want to be in LA. Um, you mentioned self, or you mentioned imposter syndrome. I didn't really care too much um, about what people would say, about like, what people would think, because I know at the end of the day, I know what I've done, I know mm-hmm. what I'm capable of, I know the struggle it was, mm-hmm. the sleepless nights. Like if anything, it's a that's the end of a chapter and it's the start of the new of a new yeah. beginning, you know, because. I'm not an imposter. (laughs) I was struggling. I was not sleeping. I was working. So I might have like had a slight like moment of like, people are going to be like, she don't even live anymore. But people don't care like you think. Yeah, people aren't thinking about it as much as you Mm -hmm. might think that they're Mm -hmm. thinking about it. Um, And it's just like pressure that we put on. Exactly. So all that said, exploring LA, figuring out what works for you, what didn't work for you, carrying those skills on. And coming back to Dallas last year, describe your current season and what it's teaching you. My current season is the best. Like, it's my most favorite season of my life, of all 23 years of life. This makes my heart happy. Yeah, because we know. (laughs) We know. um, This is like, oh my gosh, there's so much healing and there's so much gratitude and there's just so much gratefulness and grace mm-hmm. and growing closer to God, expanding my spirituality. Um, I'm, I've been involved spiritually all my life, but this is mm-hmm. the first time I've like had a choice and a commitment to God. Um, it's a lot of closed chapters and a lot of new ones. Um, yeah, it's, it's good though. There are a lot, I always say like the, the best thing about being able to have gratitude is just, you know that even on the bad days, like the mm-hmm. days that just suck, yeah, it's like, I'm just so grateful to feel. Like, yeah. I'm just so grateful to be here. Yeah. At one point, I would feel like I wasn't feeling anything. Mm-hmm. Everything, it just was a wall to protect myself, to be able to just go, 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 and work, and make money, and live, and like show up. So um, what are you learning right now? Like, just being in a like, being space of gratitude. A space of gratitude and being actively present. Um, present meaning it's not always about the future. It's not always about 
point A to point B, or if I do this, it'll get me here, and I need this, and yeah, I gotta pitch this. Yeah, just being, like, so strategic yeah. about everything, and I think, too, like, I can agree that that's very much the space I'm in right now, mm-hmm. too, and, like, constantly, like, every morning, every afternoon, every night, reminding myself to be present and not feel like I need to be in constant mode of, like, self-evaluation and perfection to, like, become the future version of myself, thinking, like, yeah. future Deja is any yeah. better than current Deja, like... No, because then you always forward thinking, and that's that's a good thing, but it can become a bad thing. You have to learn how to turn it on and off. Right, you're not appreciating anything that you have going for yourself right now. You might not be tapped into relationships the way that you should be, or fully emerging and immersing yourself in your current space and learning the lessons that will help propel like the future version of yourself. So mm-hmm. I think staying present for sure. Yeah, I think, and I think the key to this space also is is trusting yourself mm-hmm. um that's what, what i'm doing that? um at one point in my life i wasn't living for me i was living for other people whether that be work whether mm-hmm. that be relationship whether that be family um certain decision decisions that you make need like if they're not fueled by what you want you're not going to you're not gonna get the product of whatever. You know, you're not gonna you're not gonna feel good about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not gonna be genuine. And I think, I mean, there were a couple a couple signs and specific time periods where I realized like something ain't right. Mm-hmm. You know, and cues therapy, <laughs> which we have um, to step into cues therapy because it's just like when you're not feeling like that shit sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying like I was depressed. I'm not saying like. I was empty or alone feeling like, you know, and everybody's situation looked different Different. for sure, but it was off. Like I wasn't balanced. I wasn't aligned. You're aware that there was Exactly. And I think too, coming out of college, like I said, hitting the ground running, Mm -hmm. I wasn't checking in with myself to realize those things. And so when my life slowed down, moving back to Dallas, um, I ended, because I had a client in LA that I worked out, worked with up until November 30th of 2018 which is my birthday mm-hmm. um it was like y'all the timing of everything is crazy <laughs> and I remember when they called me and was like you know um you living in Dallas may not be the best fit and I'm like good you read my mind I'm not <laughs> mad at you <laughs> like the call was refreshing when it I got the like phone confirmation yes. already feeling. when I got the phone I was relieved and so it was just crazy how all of that happened but from that point on that's when I was like okay I'm making a change. So what was the, what has been the most influential decision you've made for yourself this year to get you into the space that you just described? Therapy. Period. Literally. Literally. Um, yeah. Okay, so what was the light bulb moment or like describe what your mental state was or if you, even if you remember, like what was it that made you just buckle down and be like, okay, I need to go to therapy. Like I need to quit playing. I need to stop thinking about it. I need to stop toying with the idea and asking around, like I need to take the initiative and find me a therapist and get my behinds in there. Um, I think the trigger was probably the, my relationship at the time. I was in a, at that point, Ooh, five years. Married, huh? <laughs> I Kyle have been married since we've been friends. <laughs> so young. Um, it was, yeah. Um, she was a fake hot girl. She was in a real hot girl. I'm just kidding. <laughs> hot girl didn't exist yet. <laughs> um, and this is actually my first time openly discussing the fact that I'm not in a relationship. Well, let's go. <laughs> Come on, exclusives. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. Hustle 
Hustle and soul. <laughs> Kyla is single and possibly ready to mingle. Um, but no, seriously, it, it, that was a great that was a great period in my life too. That was very like monumental. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like I was always the relationship girl. I'm trying to break out of that currently. But mm-hmm. you know, when I went to college, I met a guy and it, we just hit it off, and we just became best friends, and we went from there. It was very it was the first time that. Um, things flowed so naturally mm-hmm. and I think just being in a new space and um everything being foreign to like everyone that's what college is like mm-hmm. everything being foreign and having so much freedom and yeah. you know we can play house and like what do I do I with can, all of this exactly <laughs> exactly I think it was just like it, it it was what it was and then we next thing you know we're dating for five years so <laughs> a lot probably happened in between right um but yeah <laughs> towards the end I realized I or I started to feel like a lot of my thought process, a lot of my decisions, a lot of the way I was just moving in the world mm-hmm. was based off of someone else. Mm-hmm. And I think when it got to that point where it was just, it was um, like showing itself in other ways through mm-hmm. like anxiety and um, overthinking and just, like I said, just me not feeling aligned. That's just when I was like, okay, there needs to be a change. And mm-hmm. I think I had... I was listening to a lot of podcasts. I had been listening to a lot of podcasts. I probably got introduced to podcasts like senior year of college, Mm -hmm. Um, like seriously, like listening to them. And so I think I was listening to an LA therapy for black girls. Mm -hmm. um, And I knew that they had a, what do you call it? Not a roster. A directory. directory. Yeah. Yeah. A directory for black women therapists in the country. Um, and so I remember having a conversation with him, my boyfriend at the time, and just being like, you know, I think I want to try therapy. You know, I was very open about it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, the relationship wasn't the reason why, yeah. you know, it just helped trigger, uh, those feelings yeah. and emotions. It made you like self-aware of the things exactly. that are present exactly. in you that make you need to Exactly. Exactly. So that is when I was like, I'm just going to get on. I'm going to find a therapist. And so that's what happened. I got on. I found therapy for, therapy for black mm-hmm. girls, like the website, mm-hmm. and because she has a great podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, that's also where I learned about perfectionism, um, being a real thing. But I got on the directory, and I think I found a few, and I reached out. And at the time, this was probably like September, October, mm-hmm. and the one that I found was in Frisco, which is pretty close to where I live currently. And mm-hmm. so um, I think she was like pregnant or something, and so I didn't fully like go for it. Like mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm gonna just, you know, I'm yeah. researching, and then fast forward to. January like me seriously taking into consideration like my mental health and like Mm -hmm. where I want to go moving forward self-worth was another big deal like I felt like what I wanted to do in my life really required me to be in front of people Mm -hmm. and like have this platform and I wanted to show up as my most genuine and authentic Mm -hmm. self in order to do so like you have to know yourself yeah I don't want to be on a platform where I'm not being my true self and so I think for me like same coin different side situation mm-hmm. that made me want to go to therapy because I felt like I was always in performance mode. Yeah. And never truly being my genuine, authentic self in a sense that not that I wasn't being real with people or not being my real self, but I was just always aware of like how people are perceiving me or uh-huh. how I do one thing is gonna change their mind about me. Uh-huh. And that caused me so much anxiety. I've dealt with anxiety since 
I was a kid. Like, I would have, like, little anxiety attacks. I didn't know what they were at the time, but mm-hmm. I was like, Grandma, my heart will stop beating, like, really fast. Yeah. Like, I'm scared. And she was like, I think you have anxiety. And I remember her telling me that when I was little. Mm-hmm. And it's always been present, but I don't think I was really aware of, like, the spectrum of anxiety mm-hmm. until the difficult behind year that I had last year. But we made it through. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Amen. But just the year that I had... And physically, like, physically feeling my anxiety outside of, yes. like, many panic attacks and, like, always having a voice in my head that I, I was so self-critical. It was like, I want to love me for me. Exactly. And, like, I want to take all this extra pressure off of myself that I'm putting on to be this perfect friend or this perfect daughter and afraid to make mistakes. And it was like, I felt constricted, like I didn't have any freedom mm-hmm. to move through life. Um, Because I was always afraid of making mistakes. And so I wanted to be able to present myself in a way, not necessarily like on a platform, um, but to the world as like a genuine, authentic human being who has fears, but is not guided in like fear led Mm -hmm. throughout life. So that's kind of what brought me to therapy and how I found my therapist. I've been thinking about it and I didn't really know where to start. So I just first... And I want to like kind of be clear and like outline how I found my therapist and how Kyla found her therapist because since I was really open about my journey with therapy earlier this year, I've had people reach out to me all the time about how to find a therapist and where do they start and how do you know if you like them and is it okay to stop going? Mm-hmm. So whatever, here's my little breakdown. So first I started with my insurance carrier and figured that out. This is like a very huge big step because I'm still my parents' insurance. Don't have no plans of getting off right. until I got until to. Okay, saving that money. Right. <laughs> so we have Blue Cross Blue Shield of Texas. So me not knowing anything, I just hopped on and started to look for. I knew I wanted a black therapist, and I know I wanted it to be a woman, and I know that I didn't necessarily want it to be someone who branded themselves as a Christian therapist mm-hmm. because, like. I need to be able to cuss Mm -hmm. and I need to be real and I need to tell you things without Mm -hmm. feeling that pressure to like basically amplifying what I've been dealing with feeling like I can't truly tell the full truth or be my full self because of a label that I'm a Christian and you're going to judge me Mm -hmm. if I'm not as Christian Mm -hmm. as you whatever so that was my criteria knew I had Blue Cross Blue Shield of Texas hopped online and tried to find black therapists who accepted my insurance a lot of people accept Blue Cross Blue Shield of Texas but you have to dig a little bit deeper and just do do some really good research on the insurance plan that you have because my plan outsourced anything mental health related, any mental health claims to a smaller insurance company called Magellan. So really, a, therapy could, a therapist could accept Blue Cross Blue Shield all day long, but if they didn't accept Magellan, I couldn't go to them. Mm-hmm. So that cut out so many therapists and made it even harder for me to find someone because Magellan is such a small network. So found a black lady in McKinney, which was close to where I lived, went to her and like, I went like maybe four or five times and it just hit, therapy just wasn't hitting the way I thought it was going to hit. And I didn't know if it was me. I didn't know like if I just had too high of expectations, but I would go and I would sit and tell my whole life story or talk about whatever stage of the year that we landed on. And she would just listen and she would just like agree with my feelings and it's and hours up she's like okay what time next week and I'm like so you ain't got nothing to say to me right. no exercise it's mm-hmm. like I don't really like this so turns out she thought she was in our network she wasn't so I have to restart my search went to brunch with a friend and she was very open about her experience with therapy and the therapist she was going to so um 
And she told me that her sister went, and I know that her sister is a teacher, which meant she had government um, plans, which probably meant we had the same insurance because my dad works for the state. So reached out to that therapist. She was very communicative. I got in like the next week and it was great. She was like auntie, homegirl, long nails. You can smell the spritz in her hair, like all good. And so that was a really great experience for me in getting into therapy. So that's just outlining like my process. Kyle explained hers. Therapy for Black Girls is a really great resource. Just step number one is figuring out your criteria for what you mm-hmm. want in a therapist and the two what insurance you have. Um, but away from all like the tactical technical stuff about therapy um, oh also side note there is a app called Talkspace that is subscription based so if you don't have insurance or maybe can't afford traditional therapy and those like out of pocket rates Talkspace um, is like a mobile app where you have 24-7 access to all these licensed therapists so there you go um, but anyway yeah so back to therapy um what for you Kylie do you think has been the biggest lesson that you've learned from going to therapy so you can share yours and I'll share mine mm-hmm. <laughs> um real quick to circle back on the insurance thing because that's important yeah like reiterating <laughs> check insurance I think I called because I have blue not yeah blue cross blue shield of Texas which is different um but I called them to verify to make sure that my therapy or that my therapist um, fell under, you know, mm-hmm. that insurance, and it actually was completely covered. I don't believe that, y'all. I'm waiting on the day they send me the bill so I can die because <laughs> <laughs> it's just too good to be true. And so, to explain that real quickly, yeah. just for people who might not know, like insurance and all that. So, the same way you have a copay to go to the doctor right. or a doctor visit would be covered in full by your insurance. It's the same thing with therapy. So, where Kyla, her plan covered her therapy in full, so we think for right now. So we think, y'all, when they send me that bill, I'm gonna be like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> My plan, um, I had a copay of $25 versus her out-of-pocket fee, which was like $125 or $150 for an hour. So that's why I make sure if you have insurance, use it. Mm -hmm. Don't just be going and paying somebody money. Like, because where it was $125 for one hour session, I was able to go four times a month Mm -hmm. for $100. So that's why it's important. A little disclaimer. But (laughs) back to your question, um, what I've learned the most. So... I've always been a very self-aware person, I like to think. Like, in my mind, I know exactly what's going on with Mm -hmm. me, typically. And sometimes I just need to say it out loud. Mm -hmm. And so I think who you do see as a therapist is, like, it's very much specific to, like, who you are as a person. Mm -hmm. Like, Deja, you didn't want to go to somebody who just listened to you talk. Me, I need somebody to affirm my thoughts, what I already know. Yeah, I'm like, sis, Um, I need some feedback. And don't let me come here bullying you around. Like, I need someone to check me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think... (laughs) I think I'm definitely more neutral, but like I said, I'm I'm self-aware. So like when I'm wrong, nine times out of ten, like I know I'm wrong. That's and so not me, yeah, but I'm working on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it. So I'm I just need to say what I gotta say and then I know I was wrong, but and then my therapist will laugh and be like, yeah, and you know, go into it. But anyway, um what I feel like I've learned most is definitely just like trusting myself. Mm-hmm. Like we already know what we want. We already know how we wanna react and how we wanna respond and like where we want to go and a lot of times like we just don't believe it Mm -hmm. and me you know I have like I said before like I was dealing with things regarding um like self-worth and just like trusting myself and so a lot of that comes from just trusting your instinct Mm -hmm. and and your gut or you know holy spirit or whatever that looks like to you Mm -hmm. um and I I regularly check in with all of those things but I definitely think between trusting myself 
um, and being present mm-hmm. were big because a lot of my anxiety was coming from like overthinking and perfectionism and thinking that like time time was the measurement of everything. Yeah, because that's big. Like I got to be productive. I got to maximize all of my time, and I got to be. Mm-hmm. I got to get this done and do this here, and I got to be here and there and this time and on that schedule and this alarm set for that thing. Like it was like it was getting crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and living like. And I'm sure it's worse for some people, but living like a year of my life on time constraints and never just like patting myself on the back for what I was accomplishing Mm -hmm. um, at such a young age, like setting into those habits is like very unhealthy, (laughs) you know? Um, And I think being able to go to therapy and like just hearing myself say crazy ass things out loud, Mm -hmm. like how specific do I want to get <laughs> but yeah. just, just hearing myself say <laughs> say like ideas that I know are far-fetched mm-hmm. to just see her reaction mm-hmm. and like get her insight is like literally all I need mm-hmm. you know and for some people it's bi-weekly for some people it's once a month I need it weekly because mm-hmm. um, I need those check-ins we even tried bi-weekly recently actually for like two or three sessions and I was like no <laughs> I was like we I, I gotta catch you up on too much and I can't spend a whole session like informing you yeah. or like you know letting you know what happened so um but yeah definitely like trusting myself when I got there um like my first in-person session I remember telling her I wanted to feel Mm -hmm. Um, I said that earlier, like I got to a point where I wasn't feeling anything and everything. Like I was in a relationship, for example, and just, it just was all going over my head. Mm -hmm. Um, and I found myself trying to fill voids, um, for what was missing Mm -hmm. in other ways. And so I just, I knew how much of an authentic life I wanted to live. And so, yeah, just between feeling and self love and not needing validation from other areas was super important for me like I said before like wanting to have a platform and like influence whatever that looks like to you um there's a lot of criticism that comes with that and so what does it look like if you're receiving validation from other places yeah from likes on Mm -hmm. Instagram like how far are you going to get that way you're not um and so I knew going in like I needed my validation to come from within me um, I wanted to feel more. And then I also wanted to be more vulnerable. Those are the things that I told her. I wanted to be more open. I feel like earlier you were like kind of touching on that, but like didn't say the word. Um, and so we're similar in, in being really or being highly critical of ourselves. And so mm-hmm. everything matters, like very strategic, yeah. like this go like it's almost like building Legos. It's like yeah. this goes like putting together a puzzle, a puzzle but yeah. like the kind that got five hundred thousand pieces. Legit. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was just like, I I have a community, and I was I was at the, well still am blessed with uh, such great relationships as it relates to just my friends. Mm-hmm. And so I I didn't feel like I was being vulnerable enough with those who support and love me. Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted to be a better. I'm a communicator naturally, mm-hmm. but I wanted to learn how to like look at it from a different perspective and communicate mm-hmm. with people in the way in which they receive it best. Yeah. As opposed to just like, this I can be blunt. And this I can, is how I communicate. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So a For lot sure. of it had to do with vulnerability, communicating with my loved ones, um, self-validation and just, mm-hmm. just growth. Okay. I agree. Mm-hmm. Same for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a Sagittarius thing or it just is. The same <laughs> I have so many Sagittarius friends. Like, we're it, the best. Yeah. Your favorite people are Sagittarius. For sure. Lauren London. Oh, yes. Tiana Taylor. Ooh. 
I didn't know that. Yes. Yeah. All your faves are sad. Yeah. I was okay. gonna say Nikki, but we need her to relax. Yeah, y'all, Nikki is not the best. <laughs> She's on the bench right now. She should go to therapy. Yeah. Nikki is on the bench. <laughs> She's definitely on the bench right now. But um <laughs> for me, therapy. Um, biggest lesson. So Ooh, okay, where do I wanna start? I noticed a trend and the thing I appreciated about my therapist was that she let me figure that trend out on myself. She didn't just spoon feed me on what was quote unquote wrong with me or what was making me act the way that I've been acting. Um, she, she knew that I needed to talk a lot of things out. That's the type of person that I am. And so she would just ask me questions. I would say like 80% of my therapy sessions was I, I would explain something and she would ask me 50,000 questions to help me get to the root of it or to highlight like her bottom line. And the thing that was consistent every freaking session that I had was I have this innate overwhelming need to quantify all of my actions, like quantify how often I do it and then measure it. So I could never, I don't know why, we figured out why in this way, but for the longest I didn't know how to just be. Everything that I did needed to be done for a purpose and I needed to figure out very black and white like what was the goal and how do I measure that success and what makes this decision a flop and what makes this decision a dub. And the smallest things were that way from how I did to did my hair to like how many likes I got to how many podcast episodes I put out and how long they were and how many people listen like it just was across the board how many times I talk to my mom in a week and if I go into the week thinking okay I want to talk to my mom more this week I'm talking to her four times and I'm like talk to her twice I would literally beat myself up over it and then just like I slip myself from the world because I'm sad because I feel like I'm a terrible daughter when it's like it ain't that serious like she got other kids (laughs) okay it's not that deep (laughs) um so she really helped me to learn two things one Everything in your life does not have to be like measurable. Like you don't you don't have to quantify your actions. Everything in a smart goal. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like get out of thinking that way. And and it was crazy. It was like my mind was blown and how we pieced together like my life and actions and what made me be this way, quote unquote. And so what we discovered, part one was that I grew up with a single mom. My dad was like there, but not really. Um, he showed up when he wanted to. And so on one end, I was like the goody two shoes kid who like, I never really tried. I tried to stay out of trouble. I tried to get straight A's, do well in school, all that stuff, because I didn't want to bring stress to my mom who was a single mother. And I already knew she was, you know, having it pretty hard. On the other side, like, I was goody two shoes and always trying to achieve all these things and be the perfect student or the perfect daughter because I felt like that was the only time my dad showed up was whenever I did something good and he could show me off as his daughter or like as a trophy or you know look how successful and good my daughter is because I'm her dad type of thing and so I just got into this mindset of like I just need to be perfect at everything to keep my parents happy um, it looked very differently. Like my motives for trying to satisfy each parent were different, but that was like the driving factor of me being a perfectionist and trying to achieve straight A's and be involved. And that carried me throughout my academic career, even through college. But speaking to college depression and like post-college depression, all that stuff, like 
I was a great student in college. Dean's list, like, literally every semester I've ever been in school. But whenever I left, I didn't have test scores to affirm or validate me or to measure my success by. I didn't have clubs and organizations to be the president of anymore to show that I'm this great, like, leader. I didn't have any of that. I had a job to go to and I had bills to pay. <laughs> and so I couldn't attach myself to any of these labels or identities that I had created for myself as a good student or as a good leader or as a good student org president. I didn't have any of that whenever I graduated and so I didn't have anything to validate me and my success and my worth as a person because a lot of those labels that I held so tightly to were kind of stripped away. And so as I was planning for this episode and just like reminiscing on all of my conversations with Kyla this week, like preparing to record, it just so happened that Oprah put out a new podcast on her Super Soul Conversations podcast. Um, in the title of the episode is Oprah on the False Power of Ego. Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn, this is about to stab me in the heart mm-hmm. and twist the knife. But let me just listen because it's 19 minutes. So I listened and she said two things So about ego. So first is that you can't begin to know yourself or be true to yourself until you know who you are mm-hmm. separate from your ego. And she defined ego based on the book that she read. Um, And I'll put the title of the podcast episode in the notes, but ego is any identification with form. Form meaning identifying with something that is not the center of yourself, whether that be possessions, social status, titles, the future version of yourself, being skinny, being thick, having all the boys, Mm -hmm. whatever that looks like. Anytime you tie yourself to that identity outside of your true Mm -hmm. self, that is whenever your ego is present and can get out of control. And so that made me remember this really cool Instagram artwork post that I saw, like, I want to say it was like last year, um, where it talks about how ego manifests itself in different ways. Because I feel like ego, ego is like very vague. Mm-hmm. Like, it is. you hear the word ego and you just think like... Beyonce. Yeah. <laughs> I got it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I might tell you the podcast that. But... <laughs> But you just think it's like, oh, someone being cocky or, oh, someone being flamboyant or, oh, someone who doesn't have humility. Humility and it manifests itself in different ways from that. So I'm going to put these, the links to these Instagram artwork in it below. But the second part of my lesson from therapy, aside from uh, my need to like quantify everything and be perfect. And if I did literally one thing wrong, like not call my mom four times a week, but talk to her twice that week mm-hmm. and I'm a failure. The other part was my ego and how that played a role in my decisions that I made in my relationships with people. And at first I'm like, I don't have an ego. Like I'm the most humble person you would know. Everyone loves me. I have all the friends. Everyone loves me. What are you talking about? <laughs> And then I remember during the time that I was going to therapy, I saw this post and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> it looks different ways. So, Record scrap. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll read them and I'm going to say what versions of ego I identify with and Kyla can share hers too and maybe talk about what that looks like in the day to day and how therapy and our growth in this season has maybe, um, you know, allowed us to not struggle with that version of ego as much or be better about it or even if we're still dealing with it and like why we think that is but there are eight manifestations of ego so one is the harper uh and the little uh the little picture is like these two things were wrong they were just word those things were really not okay they were wrong 
those things and she's like <laughs> wagging her finger at somebody um another one is the judger and so in her little thought cloud or whatever she's saying they're whack they're boring too quiet basic lame stupid like judging people so basic <laughs> so ghetto woo <laughs> child the ghetto um so the third one is the tracker and so it shows someone like kind of counting on their fingers what they did versus what i did and comparing like your actions and behaviors in relationships with people to each other um next is the compare so it has like little thought bubbles and it says they are better than me i'm better than them which i feel like that's all of us um Mm -hmm. And then the next one, so the complainer, and it has a little speaking bubble. Man, this sucks, and that sucks too. Let me tell you what else sucks. <laughs> next is the holier than thou. Next is the victim, and so the little speech is everyone's against me, no one cares about me. And then lastly was the blamer. It's your fault. It's her fault. It's the immigrants. <laughs> um, so, Kyla, I'll go back to you. So, which of these do you most identify with? It doesn't have to be just one, but yeah. what resonates with you and how are you dealing with it now in this current space? Yes. So, I wanted to, like, touch on uh, more specifically what I relate to as, a, well, yeah, as opposed to what I feel like I've grown from because I think okay. that's important, too. Um, so definitely, so currently I feel like definitely, I could definitely can relate to the tracker. Um, just because like, like you said, you feel like naturally things just need to be measurable. Mm-hmm. And as I like grow from that, I know it's something that I still can relate to 100,000%. Um, and the way that they broke the tracker down is, is they said that the tracker counts what she does and what others do feeling scarce with her sweetness and making sure everything is even as if even exists in the myriad of abundant ways we each express care. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's crazy. Because I'm, like I said, I'm very strategic. And sometimes mm-hmm. everything feels like a game, you know? Yes. Even, like, something as specific as dating is, like do I want to send this text or like should I say this that way and like well they didn't do this so exactly. I'm not going to do that because I want to play it cool exactly yeah. oh play it cool for sure so, <laughs> let me tell you something like I'm so chill but like being a Sagittarius on top of that is like I got my cool face on 24-7 you poker face for poker life poker face for life but you will not know how I'm feeling unless like I allow you to get close to me exactly. and know and that's something I tell my therapist like I, I want to work on that but a part of me loves being ambiguous like a part of me loves keeping people guessing and so definitely can relate to the tracker because of that reason um and then i also said the compare for sure because i don't think that i don't think that'd be genuine if i act if i sat here and acted like i don't Mm -hmm. compare myself Mm -hmm. um and the little breakdown for the compare is the egoic voice that puts herself and everyone else on a hierarchy often reflective of culture societal and even illusionary ideals and no one wins in the end Mm -hmm. um i'm a very optimistic optimistic person and sometimes I can fantasize a lot of times Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like that puts you in a place where you become unrealistic Mm -hmm. and so therapy has also helped me to like pull that's what being present does it allows you to pull yourself back yeah sit in the moment and like look at things for what they really are right and when you're able to do that like it's so helpful um it really is and earlier you said relating you said something relating to like titles for example like there are so many times that 
us as human beings, we're just like... Oh, yeah. Ego is identification with foreign meaning, identifying with something that is not the center of right. yourself. Possession, social status, exactly. titles. And all of those things, like, they run through our minds all yeah. day long. Yeah. Um, and I love when I can have those moments where I think about something mm-hmm. and I pull back. I'm yes. Like, and I, you know I do that. Is? Growth. Growth. <laughs> Growth. Like, I do that so often i'm like i should be making this dollar amount and have this title and i'm like girl who said so yeah like who who literally you made that up yourself literally (laughs) and like therapy like that is where that came from being self-aware and giving yourself permission Mm -hmm. like that is also i didn't even say that like going to therapy has allowed me to give myself permission to just do whatever Mm -hmm. i feel like doing Mm -hmm. you know outside of like not having a set of a routine and a a strict schedule it's just like if i don't want to do this i don't got to do it Mm -hmm. this is my life yeah you know not the life based off of what social media looks like what other people say i should be doing how other people feel about my life how other people compare my life you know it's being able to like just have a grasp of where you are and being confident in that that's why i love therapy and i will tell people a million times over and it's even me like i've had to learn a really hard lesson with my therapist which is a conversation for another right, day but it yeah. makes me i actually want to go back to her because i've learned a lesson in it all but therapy really liberates you to um like it empowers you to be your most authentic self and choose decisions for you i just got a graphic idea you know, like the treat yourself. Oh yeah, we need to trust yourself. Make that sis. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna, gonna do it. Type, it type that down. idea down. <laughs> okay, well, y'all heard it here first. So if I see it anywhere else, like I'm coming. For <laughs> you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's so true. Even just like a very practical, relatable thing that literally just came to my mind about therapy empowering you to make decisions for yourself, no matter what other people say. Like me, and my therapist kind of had like. Loki kind of got into it because she didn't respond to something the way that I thought she should have. Um, and maybe a bit of it was like my expectations and my defense, which I can see, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. And it was like, she saw how she was wrong. She apologized for it 50 million times. And which goes into the two that I um, identify with, which I'll get into in a second. Um, I was very valid in being upset and I was valid in needing my time away from her to kind of like regroup and uh process because the therapy room is a safe space but also like it took me until today to realize like we're all human and we all make mistakes and like my therapist is not perfect either Mm -hmm. but learning that like everybody's not out to get me everybody's not against me to learn to like take people's apology Mm -hmm. and like accept it and learn from it and like give a second chance because what we learned or what I learned in therapy and like looking at this graphic that we mentioned um the two that I identify with the most are the victim and the blamer which was like really 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 hard to accept but you accepted it because I'm just the type of person like I'm not a my way is the highway ass person per se I just think Percy. Well, well, this is growth, okay? We're, we're learning. This is this, this is a continuous process, okay? So don't hold me to this, friends, because I know y'all twisting on those up at me because, anyway. But <laughs> I'm very opinionated and um, very, like, blunt and straightforward about how I feel. And I feel like I'm on, like, way on the deep end of being that way because for so long I wasn't for so long I was just trying to shape shift with like the popular crowd or who would accept me or if I want to keep a low profile like I was always just 
I don't know, just trying to find my way and fit in with whatever made me comfortable at the time where I was never truly being myself. So once I got to the point of like not being afraid to be myself, I just like take it overboard. And also on top of that, I just feel like when I say I don't feel my way is a highway, I'm definitely open to other people's opinions and perspectives. But on some situations, I just feel like right is right and wrong is wrong or that, excuse me, my train of thought is common sense. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that you didn't do it is like, what is your problem? Like, why didn't you think this way? Um, And how dare you do this to me? Or how dare you think this way? And so I'll read what it says about the victim. On that note, (laughs) the victim is an underrated aspect of ego, which is why it shocked the hell out of me. Um, But one nonetheless, more about mentality versus actual victimizing things that happen. She's hypersensitive about how she's been wronged, loves feeling sorry for herself, and feeding the belief that she's weak or broken. And I've talked here and there in past episodes, and if you know me in real life, then you know, like, I've had a pretty rough life. I've survived a lot of things that I probably shouldn't have. Um, And I just feel like I've had to persevere through a lot. And so I take pride in that strength and that resilience And when I feel like that's being taken away from me or the bad that has been done to me is being added on by people that I trust or that I'm supposed to love or care for or respect, then it's like, I might take the smallest thing and think that you're out to get me or that you hate me or that you're being rude or you trying to belittle me or whatever. And it may not even be that. It literally could just be you expressing your opinion the same way I expect you to accept mine, but I just make it a whole thing and like, I won't talk to you anymore. <laughs> when really it's not that. Um, and that plays into, I think for so long, like identifying as someone who had been abused or my dad wasn't around or I didn't, I wasn't afforded all the luxuries that all my friends were. And I had to come up from the mud and y'all didn't like me holding so tightly to that from the wrong end. Um, like allowing I so talking about identity like my resilience and my strength I clung so much to that from the aspect of like not an empowering thing but like a entitlement Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so that's what plays into me being the victim which you know that would hurt I'm still working through it but whatever and then um the other one the blamer which I didn't even realize this at first, but she says that the blamer is a close relative to the victim Mm -hmm. and finds fault in everyone and everything else. She has one aggressive finger pointing outward without realizing that she has three fingers pointing back at her. Yikes. So, you know, we're just going to leave that one there. But, (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah, I just thought that was so insightful listening to Oprah's podcast about ego. You should all go listen to it. Definitely advocating for therapy on this podcast forever and always. Um, but oh wait, I wanted to talk about what I feel like I've grown for from. Oh, from which one of these? Yeah, you from? Before, okay. we, before we wrap it up. Um, yes. So, um, I like I said, I've always been super self aware, and so reading through these, I can identify like where I was at mm-hmm. um, and where I am now. And so, definitely the judger um, is where really? I am. Very. I never got that from you ever. Well, because very internal. You know, I do not like to talk negatively about people, um, but being self-aware, a part of that is admitting like, you know, where you're wrong, Mm -hmm. like you said. And so I don't, maybe it's just me being hard on myself, but I just, I don't think 
that we should look at others like we're better or like, mm-hmm. you know, rate ourselves status wise and although and I, that might be something that might have been like inflicted on me mm-hmm. by other people and maybe I started believing it, but there was definitely a point where I would I would hear people say like, "Oh, Kyla thinks she's better" or this is that and the other. And it's not necessarily that because I can't control like what I speak about or I I can't control or feel sorry for like my beliefs. Um and I think to some people it can come off um kind of harsh and it can come off as if I'm judging them when you know in reality that's not that's not what I want it to be that's mm-hmm. not what I want perception to be but I get it um and so it says the judger is all about judging self and others often rather harshly so as to not face deeper truths and so I think mm-hmm. the key there is self mm-hmm. <laughs> so maybe not so much other people but definitely like being hard on yourself that you know you're essentially judging yourself yeah and so we both talked about how like how we can be super hard on ourselves and, and what that looks like. And so I think I'm, I'm definitely growing from that and that feels really good. Um, and then the second being the holier than thou. Um, when you said that, I was like, LOL. I've always been like super uh, religious and, mm-hmm. you know, spiritual and my relationship with God is important. I grew up Catholic, although it was like black Catholic church. It was still Catholic. And so from like day one of life, from mm-hmm. what I can remember, being like probably five years old in kindergarten, whatever, um, you know, having that force fed mm-hmm. spirituality is just like, it's going to stick with you because yeah. it's ingrained. It's yeah. heavily ingrained in you and it's not going to go away until you're old enough to realize like, I probably need to tweak this. Yeah. Um, and so it says the holier than now often comes with new knowledge or realization. She's smug telling others you should do this or that because she thinks she knows the quote unquote right way. Mm. This one's reflected in many wellness or spiritual and even social justice communities where folk reach elevated levels of consciousness and then forget to check their egos, which show up in new ways too. Um, so not even relating to, you know, spirituality at this point, I feel like a lot of what, um, what this relates to is like either not enough experience or like too much experience. Mm -hmm. So sometimes like, cause the judger and holier than now go hand in hand. Right. Don't you think? Um, because it's like, yes. yeah, yes. so the same way. Yeah. So sometimes you haven't experienced the same things as people. And so mm-hmm. that looks different to you. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm in this healthy relationship. We love each other. We doing this, mm-hmm. you know, and then your home girl is like in a situation ship mm-hmm. and it might come across like you looking at her like, tsk, like, mm-hmm. but in reality is like, I just haven't experienced that. I don't know what that looks like mm-hmm. or what it feels like. So sometimes you just need to be a little bit more open-minded. Yeah. Um, and so I say I've grown from that because I'm very much open-minded. Mm-hmm. Um, and then two, on the other side of the spectrum, I have experienced a lot in such a young age. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it comes across like, I know more than you, mm-hmm. but it's literally like, no, I've just been through this. So mm-hmm. I'm just, I just know what this looks like, mm-hmm. you know, firsthand living in like four different cities mm-hmm. already. is like, yeah. okay. So I've been here, I've been there, you mm-hmm. know, and then just doing different type of work. Um, yeah, I can agree with that too. Yeah. I think like, Sometimes um, I catch myself doing it mm-hmm. and like I'm able to identify when other people are doing it, but I just don't say yeah. anything because I feel like that's like a lesson you have to learn on your mm-hmm. own. Um, it kind of reminds me of a podcast that my leak was talking about where sometimes she catches herself talking about something and she's just like, my leak, shut up. Like, yeah, they probably she don't even that. care. And it's like for me, yeah. it's like somebody will say something and I might have experienced it too yeah. or they might try to show me something and I may have already seen yeah. it or whatever yeah. and I'm like oh yeah I saw that or oh yeah me too or actually like I yeah. did this and it's like 
uh, nigga, just shut up and just, like yeah, just listen. respond. Just like listen. you don't have to prove that you already seen it or you yeah. already. But that's not what you're doing, already, though. And it's not yeah. what I'm doing. But that's but, how it comes across, right? And yeah. so, like, learning more about that, or even just like maybe if someone else does the same thing to me, and I'm like, uh, like okay yeah that's not the point here like just respond to me yeah now it's like dang well like i don't mean to come across this way Mm -hmm. that i'm not at all trying to like belittle you and make it seem like i know better Mm -hmm. or know more than you do like i'm just excited and this is how i communicate but like therapy has taught me and like cultivating stronger relationships over the last year even with you has taught me like everyone communicates differently (sighs) everyone like receives messages and information differently and so it's okay to be yourself and be authentic to yourself but you also have to shape shift and like communicate with people in a way where they can understand yes. it and where it will be a comfortable space for them to feel like they can be themselves and y'all have like a real conversation mm-hmm. versus it becoming like an argument or yeah or stupid. tension or yeah. whatever um so uh, I actually re-listened to Oprah's and then by the time I finished listening to that one because it was so good she put out another one and the name of the second episode is When You Know Better You Do Better and that was actually something that she learned from Maya Angelou like at her house mm. Maya Angelou told her that she said that's like the one message she's carried with her throughout her whole life um, and I love what she said when she explained what it means to her she said what it means is you don't have to uh, hold yourself hostage to who you used to be or anything you ever used to do and so that's how I just love like this conversation about therapy and growth and um just this overall theme I guess kind of the podcast so far about you know we went into a certain situation with these expectations these thoughts we experienced it we loved it that time phased out and like moving on to the next stage of life and being self-aware and going to therapy and connecting the dots Mm -hmm. of like our past to build a better future for ourselves so that's what excites me about therapy and just growth and life and taking the restraints off of myself to feel free to just be and make mistakes and like live in the moment and be present is my faith so Thanks for listening to us chat about therapy. Yeah. Like we, we went said, on a tangent. No, we're long-winded AF. Right yeah. <laughs> like, we're already at, a, what, an hour and some change in, but... It's cool. It's, it's fine. fine. The real ones will stay and listen. Right. <laughs> but um, one thing, so, like I said, I want to bring new ideas or fresh ideas as it relates to my content and what compared to what I had been doing to the show. And literally, my favorite part of all the podcasts I listen to is listener letters and yes. questions. Like... I live for that part of the podcast. Like, all the pop culture stuff, whatever. Like, give me the juice, the details, the tea, all that. what you think. Yes. So, I wanted to bring that here. Two questions that we have. Uh, I'm going to leave it anonymous. But the first question, they both have to do with dating. I'm in a new relationship, so I might lean on Kyla a little Ooh, bit for her answer on the show. But Wait, say that one more time. I hate to say it. I hope I don't sound ridiculous. I don't know who this man is. I mean, he could be walking down the street. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know a thing. Sorry to this man. Please, I'm but bad. we can we can go to these listener questions. Anyway, that yeah, was you fun. know, I got a little skin in the game for a little bit, so I can <laughs> answer some dating questions. Let's or do it. Let's um, do it. First one, Kyle, I'm gonna let you take the lead on this. Jesus, we, we already we we breaking news. We You're did. single. You breaking were news. basically married for five years. You got this. Okay, you got this, bro. Um, <laughs> I have never been married for the record. On the record, I've yeah, never been I'm married. Yeah, I'm just, don't, don't take me literally, okay? 
name. Go ahead. And also, don't slide in my DMs to talk to her. Just slide in her stuff. Okay. You know who you are. She's the buffer. <laughs> I, like, I like her to bet through the game. <laughs> Nobody's getting enough from my friends, so just go straight to them. <laughs> As the friend of a person in a new romantic relationship, how should I handle the case where they are so engulfed in that new relationship that our friendship has become almost non-existent? Hmm. Well, um, you know, to be honest, I've never dealt with this on that side. I think if anything, I've dealt with this from the perspective of being the friend in the, the relationship. relationship. Yeah. One of my friends at the time was not like, like didn't know how to pivot or adjust to the fact that like, not that I had found someone new, but that like I was so deeply engulfed in this like new budding relationship mm-hmm. right this like super exciting thing mm-hmm. um and at that same time she was the only one that seemed to really have like issues with it and these you know I'm not claiming that, that she had no right of feeling the way she felt but it was new for me because I'm not clingy or needy mm-hmm. um and so having someone respond that way to me was a turnoff, mm-hmm. you know, being transparent. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if anything, I've learned the lesson, like post friendship, mm-hmm. post that friendship. Yeah. Um, Hindsight is always twenty twenty. Yeah, exactly. I think you know, to be honest, that friendship is currently not a friendship. Yeah. Um, no hard feelings or bad blood there. As I've grown, um, but I think reflecting and looking back on it. Um, I probably saw areas where I could have been a bit more Mm open-minded and been a bit more considerate. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, so to answer that question, I think one is just addressing the situation. I'm not going to call it an issue because it's not an issue. Like we all deserve to fall in love and be like so involved. I Mm -hmm. mean, like I want my head to be so gone. I can't breathe around you. Like that is my goal. Y'all probably like, oh Lord, that's dramatic. (laughs) Dems and right, two, three, right, exactly. (laughs) But we all we all deserve that type of love and feeling um, because it's not reality is it's not everlasting, you know, throughout mm-hmm. the whole thing. So it's like enjoy it while you can. Yeah, as that true. friend, you see from the outside looking in, you know, you see it as they're ignoring you. They want to they don't want to be around you. They're not putting you first mm-hmm. when that's really not the case. Um, it's just it's just something new. And yeah. so I think, number one, definitely be supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, but also communicate how you feel mm-hmm. and don't come off. I wouldn't come off like I feel this way um, or making it negative, yeah. making it like your friend is doing something intentional to hurt you yes, because yes, that's, what I was gonna that's say. not what's happening. Yeah. And you doing that in turn from the friend's perspective, it just, it looks like you're being selfish. Mm-hmm. You know, it looks like you're not being happy for them mm-hmm. and you're not being considerate mm-hmm. of like what this is. Yeah, and their new space um, that they're in. Thankfully, where I am now, if I fell in love tomorrow, I feel like my friends would be super supportive of that mm-hmm. and super understanding. But if they were to ever come to me with an issue, um, I would definitely be more open-minded. So it definitely takes two, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's not like you as the friend of the friend in love or in this new relationship can do anything to change the course because you really can't mm-hmm. but express your feelings mm-hmm. and really hope for the best. Um, and just like a romantic relationship, a friendship is just as intimate. It's just, mm-hmm. It takes just as much work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why like communicating how you feel is important. Being intentional about setting 
date nights mm-hmm. for y'all two as friends or like dinner or like movies and wine you know like keeping that afloat mm-hmm. but just making sure that you respect what this new relationship is yeah. because at the end of the day like y'all's friendship is not going anywhere mm-hmm. realistically like I don't always need my tribe you know I might fall off or I might have a moment where I'm mm-hmm. prioritizing him a little bit more than you um, but that's natural and that's life and that's also being able to check in with yourself and realizing like the world is not against you mm-hmm. like as your friend like I'm not the against victim, you yeah. the blamer yeah like I'm not thinking. against you I'm just <laughs> it's just it's a newer season yeah um I okay I agree with you um I don't I would hope not I've never had this issue where I was this person in the relationship and I haven't really been the person outside of the relationship but just putting myself in this person's shoes um and learning to communicate with people in the way that they receive it amen (laughs) you know that's not really that fun for me um I just think it's important that everything that Kyla said um respect the fact and accept the fact that it's something new for them it's something exciting for them um and they want to be immersed in that like that's just what it is like you find someone who makes you feel good you make them feel good like it's a good relationship it's a good spirits like you want to be around that all the time and I also think another note is that the life stage that we're in right now like we not just play play like we I mean, maybe some people, and if so, that's cool, like, whatever, everybody's different, but I can at least say for myself and some of my closer friends, like, we're not just dating to date, like, we want it to become more, like, we're, we moving, we're moving differently in relationships because we're thinking long term, Mm -hmm. and we want it to be something that lasts, and we're trying to make sure we put down strong roots and a strong foundation and that takes a little bit more work and a little bit more prioritization than maybe it did with your friend in past relationships and how y'all are able to engage with each other but two when it comes to communicating with your friend I think it's important that the same way um um how do I want to say this be authentic in addressing how you feel but don't do it in a way where you're pointing fingers at them mm-hmm. or or making it come across that how they're acting is wrong or what they're doing is wrong that nobody's wrong in this situation everyone's feelings are valid um i think it's one thing if you keep trying to set up dates with them or talk to them right. or see them they never text back they never call you y'all never hang out ever yeah okay that has more to do with y'all's relationship than, 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 than them being in a relationship yeah. right yeah. but i think that if you are at least communicating a little bit here and there, but you just haven't been able to find time to spend with each other as friends, like, I think you get, you process and get to the root of the problem for you, which is your feelings are hurt and mm-hmm. that you miss your friend, mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. Like, that's all it is. You miss your and, friend. And say you that. Hurt. And you might feel like they're choosing their new relationship over you. And it's okay to say that. It's okay to express that. And I feel like the solution or the answer to your question from my perspective is this is a friendship that you obviously really care about it's a friendship that you obviously want around for a long time and you want to salvage and you want to um, nurture so with that go to them in person or maybe a facetime date and say hey like i really have something really important that i want to talk to you about like please let me know when you have time so we can just have Mm one-on-one for a few hours whatever when you meet with them whether that's on facetime or in person 
express to them like hey i know you're in a new relationship i'm really happy for you i love seeing you happy i love seeing you be excited about this person um but i just feel like we haven't spent a lot of time with each other and i miss you and i was just wondering like what are some ways we could put our brains together look at our schedules or just share our feelings and how we can get back to how we used to be and maybe it won't look the exact same but i just know i miss having you around and i miss our friendship and I want to make sure that I'm supporting you, but also like that we are maintaining our friendship. Mm -hmm. So what does that look like for us while you're in this new relationship? Because I know you're figuring that out, which means you're figuring this out. And you probably have a lot that you're restructuring and thinking about in your own personal life. And it has nothing personal to do with you versus me. You're just figuring it out. So I want to support you, but I also want my friend around because I miss you and just coming from that level because then they can have empathy for you and they probably miss you too they probably want to hang out with you too like in in that way like in being kind about it and gentle in your approach you can kind of get their heads out head their get their head out of the clouds for a little bit and be like oh shit like we actually haven't mm -hmm. spent that much time with each other or oh I actually like haven't really talked to you like you're right I miss you too every first Friday of the month Right. seven o'clock let's get drinks and go let's out let's do it like mm -hmm. and it's really as simple as that um but if you don't say anything the problem will only get worse honestly in your head the problem will get worse and you can't hold anybody accountable to like a change that you haven't expressed that you want them to make mm -hmm. like we're not mind readers as obvious and black and white as it may be to you and this therapy guys this is a lesson i learned as obvious as it may be to you it's probably not that obvious to them. Their priorities have changed. They're thinking about other things. Um, but if you can bring that to their attention, um, and if that's your true friend and your real friend, like, they'll make the adjustments and y'all will mm -hmm. compromise on how to make it work. So I think just have a conversation with them and don't take it personal and try to be supportive and gentle in your approach. Cool, 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 So where we at? Let me know how that conversation worked out. You know, I'd love a good follow-up. Mm -hmm. um, second question. Oh, this is the one I said I'm going to lean on you because, you know. Okay. Your girl. Let's, been a little dusty for a few years. In the relationship category. <laughs> How do you keep a relationship moving at a healthy pace when you're confident that you're with your life partner? In other words, how do you uh, how do you not rush down the aisle? Mm. Kyle already explained me and my perspective on men and dating to y'all, so y'all know I ain't got the answer for this one. Well, I can, try. I can just... <laughs> Learning from experience, learning from what might have gone wrong and wrong in the past and what is right in the future. Mm -hmm. Maybe not right, but a different way of going about it. Different approach. Um, exactly. Um, so being in a relationship young, personally speaking from, you know, my personal experience, like I said, it was the first relationship that I took seriously um, in a sense of like, I can see this going somewhere past just dating mm -hmm. um, with this person, this human being. Um, it's the first time that it felt like it just flowed. Mm -hmm. And because of that, and because there were, I didn't know about boundaries, then I didn't know why it was important for me to have my personal time mm -hmm. or like 
what I needed to fulfill myself. It or was like, like a new feeling exactly. that you were so excited about that like, yes, give me all the things. Let's give, do everything like, with everything. Each other. Let's do it. Like, You're the only person for me. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Why like, wait? Like, I mean, we're exclusive. I don't care about no other dudes. Like, I'm cooking and I'm cleaning mm-hmm. and I'm doing laundry and we're staying at each other's places um, and we're saying I love you. Mm-hmm. Um, we're having very intimate experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, it was all fun and games <laughs> until you pull yourself out of that and you're in reality and it hits you like, I don't know if this person is for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if this is my forever. And that moment hurts, but it's also freeing in a sense of once you're ready to make that move um it's freeing in a sense of like taking back control Mm -hmm. over your life and understanding that this fantasy or this idea that you painted for yourself might not be uh your reality and I think coming to terms with that is when we get to this next point of not rushing down the aisle Mm -hmm. because you're more self-aware so so what do you say for this person when they they're they're not on the other side yet and they may not get there like mm-hmm. they really feel like this person mm-hmm. is the one so you spoke about boundaries so in retrospect because like i said hindsight is always twenty twenty. what boundaries would you have put in place for yourself that you want to give to this person as tips mm-hmm. or life hacks relationship mm-hmm. hacks or whatever so that way um they don't have that maybe how am I trying to say what boundaries will you put in place for yourself that maybe probably could have been mm-hmm. would have been the thing that um made your relationship work long term because yeah. y'all had that solid foundation even though you were so sure about the person yeah I think number one communication and knowing like straight up what the both of you want mm-hmm. um no assumptions no like selling dreams mm-hmm. um just like legitimate, like what do we want out of this? Mm-hmm. And so they always say like it's harder to go back and set boundaries than it is to just like start Having with them from, from the front. Yeah. yeah. But I don't think that I don't think you have to break up with your significant other because you just you want to start over and try mm-hmm. again. Nobody wanna start that shit over, period. Nope. <laughs> like that takes a lot of energy. Um so if we're talking about like adjusting and pivoting, um, number one, just being openly honest and like communicating. So my big thing that I realized I was not doing in that relationship was not communicating exactly how I felt. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize that until down the line, I would express myself in certain ways and he would legitimately not ever have known that I felt that way. Mm -hmm. Like you said before, nobody can read minds. Mm -hmm. And so in order for y'all to have that strong bond, um, the strong intimate bond outside of something like sex, Mm -hmm. it's like mindset. Like we, we need to be here. Um, we need to be on the same page and understand that like what we want is like the the same goal, mm-hmm. you know? And I think too, it's like if y'all's end goal is not the same or if like y'all are on the same wavelength, like it, you're gonna feel it. Mm-hmm. I always say like it takes two. Um what I didn't mention is two year, two out of those five years, it was long distance. Mm-hmm. Um some people are like, I'll never do long distance. Me, I'm some people. <laughs> me, me, I'm not- me, I'm more open-minded. Like, when I was, when we were separate, we were doing different things. Like, he had his work stuff going mm-hmm. on that he had to be dedicated to physically, literally. Yeah. And I had my own work stuff going on that allowed us to, like, not... 
not want to say not care, like still mm-hmm. care about each other, but not our surroundings. Like we weren't out trying to like talk to other people and yeah. like you know. Y'all be, just both had your own like priorities. Exactly. And like career to wise, to keep you like focused. Exactly. Exactly. So sometimes that focus would pull me away from him, and then that's when it would get hard. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, like all that to say. It just it takes two. Like y'all legitimately have to be a team and if like one if one person is off, you will feel it. And so I think um to to go back with what you said, like how to what, not rush down the aisle. Right, how to not rush down the aisle and, and just and have those things in place. I just feel like you have to be intentional. Mm-hmm. Like that is that's what it is. Like every time now, currently in this space, every time I feel myself acting on impulse mm-hmm. or acting off of emotion, mm-hmm. I automatically know like that's probably not the best decision mm-hmm. to make because I haven't thought thought through it. Mm-hmm. Everything needs to be like there's a thought process behind mm-hmm. everything. Like you can't just you can't make a quick decision and expect the results to yes. be efficient. Like, that's what I was gonna say. Like, and I heard this in church, and my pastor speaks on it a lot, mm-hmm. which. I don't know. I had a really hard time accepting it Mm -hmm. as, like, wisdom because it was not me. But, like, your emotions and feelings, like, will get you in trouble every time. Mm -hmm. Because they fluctuate so much. Like, there has to be equal balance of, like, logic and a thought process. And, you know, not going off the deep end, like I was saying my struggle was before with, like, having a quantifiable goal and making Mm -hmm. sure you're reaching it and not being flexible and being super rigid in that. But also, like... Not being loosey-goosey with your feelings and just going with the flow. And I think my advice to this person would be, even though, you know, I'm not the one to be answering this Girl. anyway. But, but my advice would be two things. One, uh, be intentional with yourself. Have a conversation with yourself about being present mm-hmm. and being self-aware enough to, anytime a decision is being made, taking a step back and truly thinking about it and not rushing yourself to have an answer. Mm-hmm. Like... Whether that be staying over for the night, whether that be helping clean up the house, whether that be going on a trip with this person's family, like take a step back and say, okay, am I saying yes because like it just feels good and I just want to be with this person or do I probably need to not because like I have anxiety about it, which is like one B of the situation. Mm -hmm. So taking a step back and kind of identifying what's making you want to say yes and two, like what and I guess taking a look back at previous decisions that y'all have made thus far in the relationship and thinking about what were those decisions that gave you anxiety mm-hmm. to think about or give an answer for if that was staying the night with each other if that was meeting the parents if that is you know posting about y'all being in like a committed relationship like whatever it is any situation or decision that y'all have been in together that made that gave you anxiety that you said yes to Mm -hmm. that's probably a red flag and so i don't know like be honest with yourself journal down like what those were and maybe see if you can put it in a category if you can put them in buckets Mm -hmm. and if you start to see a trend or a theme then that will kind of inform what your boundary needs to be or the conversation that you need to have with that person um so like kyla mentioned playing house i was the queen of playing house Mm -hmm. with my boyfriends like seriously but now like in my current relationship like sorry to this man like we love to cook with each other that's our thing and i'm naturally a super helpful like hands-on person so if he's working on something or doing something like i just want to help because i don't want to sit there and like right. watch and do it alone but i have to have those moments with myself where take a step back mm-hmm. and think about it am i just doing this because oh he's just everything me and i just want to be so helpful and like make life easier for him and be up under him doing this 
or do I probably need to not because I don't want to set that pattern or that expectation so early that I'm going to be in here like cooking and cleaning and doing whatever like and so then the boundary is like cooking we love to cook with each other that's fun that's how we like spend quality time with each other you wore all these dirty drawers yourself i'm not gonna help right. you fold them and right. clean them up as much as yeah. like that naturally comes to me to want to help yes. i don't want to set that expectation oh. that i'm going to do that with you every single time so i think just you know self-reflect pull yourself away figure out what's making you want to say yes what would be the pros of saying no and then two what are past things from previous relationships or even the one that you're in right now that give you anxiety or was like an anxious decision to make mm-hmm. and if it was Note it down, put it in buckets, find those categories, and then talk with your boyfriend and have a conversation about boundaries then. And I want to add one more thing. I feel like this is super cliche, but it's real. Um, two halves do not make a whole. <laughs> like, <laughs> legitimately. Um, if that was... That I don't know if I necessarily believe that, but the, um, the tail end of that basically means like both parties need consistent self-work yeah you know it's not something that happens overnight Mm -hmm. and it's not something that one person can be doing and Mm -hmm. the other person can't and it's just going to magically work Mm -hmm. because then that's when you start to outgrow people um Mm -hmm. i think being open about why that matters and really like if you're just dating someone and you're not necessarily like in this committed relationship already like they just kind of talked about but if you're like entering it Mm -hmm. you're in those dating phases or y'all starting to spend more time in it together look at those um not necessarily red flags but look at different attributes mm-hmm. and and be honest with yourself about whether or not you can mesh well with those mm-hmm. and, and and just be sure that you're not forcing it because mm-hmm. you just want to be in a relationship mm-hmm. like single seasons matter for a reason it mm-hmm. gives yourself an opportunity to like work on who you are mm-hmm. and get to know what you want mm-hmm. and what you don't want because mm-hmm. what you don't want is just as important is what you do want yeah um and i think sometimes falling in love and being in a relation can just be so new and exciting that we have this tendency to make everyone our forever yeah and for me i'm more hesitant if anything because i'm like i don't ever want to experience being with somebody who is not my forever me being with someone <laughs> i'm putting this energy into and like it don't end up working yeah. you know that's scary i know that shouldn't be a, that shouldn't be a boundary um, and it, you, sh- you shouldn't be hesitant because you do want to be remain genuine. Um, but it's okay to take your time and be intentional yeah. for that specific reason. And like, I guess overall, like summing up what both of us are saying, like, if this is a person, if this is a one, you don't have to rush towards anything. They're going to be the right. one, like, period. And um, they will be there. They will be there. They will be there. <laughs> and if you can draw back, and they will respect your boundaries. Exactly. I was gonna say, if you, you can create, draw back, yeah. and they are still pursuing you, that means something. Right. Like if you can notice in your mind, like I probably shouldn't, like mm-hmm. you said, do this laundry, or I probably mm-hmm. shouldn't, like I be so available mm-hmm. um, for both parties. Like, and they're still interested. Like that means, and then that's when you can start to play with, right. like. How much you open your not yeah. open yourself up, but how much you allow yourself to do because it's not about being strategic. Strategic, it's not a game, but it's constantly checking in with yourself. Yeah, it, because they're gonna respect the fact that you're searching for ways to like ensure the longevity of your relationship. Exactly, and kind of what Kyle was talking about before with the two halves don't make a whole. Um, like I don't, I don't agree with the idea that like you uh, have to figure out all your shit and right. like grow as a person in your single season before you can be exactly. in a healthy relationship i think the two can coexist you can be in a relationship and still work on yourself but the problem with us a lot of times and 
guys too, but mainly as women, like just naturally being on earth as nurturers, um, we look, we look at everything long term and we look at everything with like, oh, okay, well now that I'm in this relationship, how can I change my plans or my future to mesh well with what they want and like how can we make it work together because I'm learning about this person yeah. and but like no you still need to have your own focus mm-hmm. like your own efforts to open your own thing and let them have their own thing and continue to be um uh proactive about working on yourselves while you're in the relationship separate from each other like and continue that growth that you were pursuing in your single season why you're in the relationship mm-hmm. and, and that, that will help you guys not rush because think about yeah. like who you were two years ago mm-hmm. compared to who you are now same thing we're in this relationship so if you feel like oh i just want to be married to this person tomorrow like two years from now who are you going to be right and that in itself a conversation like that everything deja just said being open and vulnerable and transparent with your partner and even saying something as simple as that like being like hey I care about you, but I don't want to lose myself in this. Mm-hmm. You never like that. That itself is already a shift. Yeah, like it's all you already moving forward. Yeah, depending on who the person is. Mm-hmm. But hopefully, but you know, if it's the person, they'll respect. Exactly, it. they'll respect it, and you know, they might even turn around and be like, "Me too." And now, <laughs> and now, y'all are on one accord, and that just brought y'all that much closer. Exactly, because y'all are like together, and y'all are like here. Y'all are here on the same, same wave. wave. Mm, we Such are the same yeah. See, I told y'all <laughs> friendships are just as intentional. But yeah, no, I think I think we I think we like wrap that up really well. Yes. I think so. So guys, that's like a new thing. Like I love answering questions. Y'all know I got opinions for days. Mm-hmm. So um you guys can email me your questions by clicking the button in my bio you can dm to me i'll probably put a few more stories up where you can respond with a question um but i love that i hope this was helpful mm-hmm. uh, let us know you know me and kyle are gonna text about it uh, <laughs> with your little update if you don't yeah. want to share it but that is our advice for the q a section i should probably come up with a cute name for it but for right now i don't but again on the note of like fresh and new ideas for my podcast I am a huge, like, I nerd out on YouTube videos and podcasts so much. It's a little ridiculous. Um, And I love TED Talks. I love keynote speeches. That's all I listen to while I'm at work. If I'm not in a meeting, when I get home, I'm just watching YouTube videos. And I just love, like, people having that opportunity to just be full-fledged, like, talk about whatever they're passionate about and learning from like the nuggets that they drop in there so i haven't really decided what i'm gonna call it like i don't know should i call it real talk or should i call it a mad minute but i vote mad minute i think that's super cute i love mad minute too i think i'm gonna go with mad minute but basically anytime i have a guest on my show uh they're gonna have a mad minute they're gonna have 60 seconds to give their parting speech their words of wisdom drop some gems drop the mic well not this mic because it's expensive um but you know (laughs) just 60 seconds to express what's on their heart what they've taken away from this podcast things that have resurfaced okay kyla beat me too she's gonna start her timer she has her mad minute and the one thing that did tell her about the mad minute (laughs) because surprises i have a statement Mm. you will fill in the blank of that statement and then continue with your mad minute okay I'm gonna try not to go over a minute, y'all. But y'all gonna. She's hear me. gonna go over a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all gonna hit the timer. Y'all gonna hit me press. Uh, you know, yeah, done, and then we're gone. Yeah, you Keep already going. know what's about to happen. <laughs> I mean, the podcast is like well over an hour and a half by now, so Ooh. you got it. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Um, so, statement for your mad minute. Mm. I am leaning into blank. Okay. I am leaning into blank. Go. <laughs> Sorry, y'all had to press play. Pause, press start. Um, I am leaning into open mind, being open-minded and receiving whatever comes my way, no matter what it looks like. No matter if it's not packaged the way I thought it would be, it doesn't feel like the way I thought it'd be, I'm in it, period. Okay, so <laughs> what I want to leave y'all with, um, just really more so has to do with uh, life in general and how we look at life. I feel like a lot of times the our perspective can be so like trash, you know, <laughs> whether that has to do with like social media, uh, stigma of where we should be, our generation, whatever. And I was recently starting, didn't even like get deep in Elaine, um, the More Than Enough by Elaine Wolteroth. And the foreword is written by Ava DuVernay. That was just a minute. (laughs) (laughs) The foreword was written by Ava DuVernay. And uh, there's a quote that she talks about um, that Oprah actually told her about. So that's crazy. Oprah comes up again. And she Uh says, basically, as it relates to life, you know, or a negative experience or what you might consider bad happening to you. Um, she says, this bad thing isn't happening to you. It's happening for you. Mm. And I think that where I am in my life is just being able to, I said this earlier, but I'm going to say it again, like be, being able to have gratitude towards whatever comes your way, because regardless of like how you feel it's happening, you can learn from it. And then just the idea of, of being able to just be, be in whatever space you're in, whatever season you in, you're in, um, it just means something. And so, what I wrote down, what I took from that is that choice provides gratitude and clarity. Mm-hmm. Like the idea that we have choices in life, the mm-hmm. idea that we can choose to look at it from this lens as opposed to like a negative experience yeah. is what frees us or what liberates us um, from feeling down yeah. or like feeling like the world is against us mm-hmm. or things aren't going our way. Like we literally have a choice of how we want to react how we want to respond to things, like what our purpose here mm-hmm. is, you know, it's all an active choice and that's super important. Um, and then to like, in that, I think too, I was having a conversation with some friends, um, push through whatever mm-hmm. it is, you know, that is my choice right now. Mm-hmm. The need to feel like we got to reset or restart mm-hmm. or like it's where I am doesn't feel like what I thought it would feel mm-hmm. like. And so I got to go back to the drawing board. Like, no, this is the time where you push through that feeling mm-hmm. of negativity, of self-doubt, um, of questioning your self-worth. It's you, the negative thoughts, you mm-hmm. push through that. And that in that moment is where you find the beauty of gratitude, mm-hmm. where you find out that like the other side, it looks a little bit better, but mm-hmm. it's not because you went on a detox. Yeah. <laughs> it's not because first of the month you decided to do yeah. this. No, it's because you let yourself fall off. Mm-hmm. You gave yourself permission to do that. And then you picked yourself back up yeah. again. I love that. Yeah. That was so, beautiful, friend. That's where I'm at. Oh, that made my heart so happy. That was legendary Mad Minute. Mm-hmm. The first, y'all got some, uh, some work to do. Y'all got a lot of, <laughs> Y'all got a, a, a lot to measure up to next guest. Oh, but. thank you so much. <laughs> um, yeah. The one thing that I really appreciate about Kyla is that she has always been super intentional about our friendship since we started cultivating it. Even when she was in LA and I was in Dallas and she was two hours behind like 
always checking in with me. I was always checking in on her. I went ghost when all the stuff happened last year and she picked up on that and she like no matter if I wanted to talk or not she was still hitting me up um so I really appreciate that about you I think that <laughs> I think because since we are so similar in a lot of ways um you challenge me a lot or you um allow me to see things in myself that made me like I don't like or that like dang like I could respond differently or like oh okay maybe this was interpreted incorrectly or not the right way like let me shift and I feel like Kyla is my safe space to like be my authentic self and not feel judged or like she don't feel like I'm mad at her for being feisty with each other or like it's not that because she just gets me um and so she has been one of those people um in my life over the last year two years two and a half years that has just really pushed me forward, has always supported me, has allowed me to grow into the person that I am now, no matter how often we talk or see each other. Like, like we just we just connect, like, mm. always. Um, and it's always love. And I just always feel so supported by everything. Like, And, like, even when I was pursuing entrepreneurship, and we both were, like, nobody else out of my friend group was doing that. Like, I literally yeah. had nobody else to talk to. We about it except for her and the person I was working for her. <laughs> like that's it yeah <laughs> and there's some things I can say to Kyla that I can't say right. the person that's paying me right. so <laughs> yeah. Yeah. um but this friendship has been like the biggest blessing kind of an unexpected blessing because I didn't think we would grow to be as close as we are um so I just really appreciate her challenging me um pushing me forward seeing things in me that I don't see in myself um and reaffirming me and the blessings that I'm just experiencing and receiving right now and I'm afraid to you know check me if I'm wrong and you know deal with the fact that I'm probably going to be salty in the next three messages but we'll be fine in the morning when we text again <laughs> or whenever I send you something right. your DMs in 10 minutes we'll be fine <laughs> so I'm so thankful that you came on today everybody Kyla's like a true gem mm. and I, crazy that we haven't even talked about we it at all but if you want to connect with kyler even just like learn more about her her thought process see her creativity um and her talent tell them about your baby so you know <laughs> i'm like smile i'm like smiling ear to ear like i have a little baby um so part of me coming back to dallas just a quick snippet was to pursue life as a blogger influencer you know however that whatever that looks like in your mind to me it just means to create a space to live authentically um more specifically create a space for women to live authentically um who don't really have the blueprint for what life looks like or possibly for what they want to do mm -hmm. um provide a safe space to discuss the things that women go through on the daily that we don't get to talk about yeah. um and just serve as a resource to that um and so I have um, my blog, or just more specifically speaking, brand, which is called The Minor Detail, um, because what my, my mission is, is to provide women, um, to connect women, to be a bridge for women who don't know all the minor little details mm -hmm. to life. Um, and life me is very broad, because I am very much lifestyle focused. I believe in pushing forward my more specifically me pushing my life forward through culture mm -hmm. um fashion and just spirituality my relationship with god and so you'll definitely see a lot of conversation 
specific to those things um, right now. And I feel like why we haven't really covered it is because I'm in a space where I put that on pause as Mm -hmm. far as like being forceful with creating content Mm -hmm. um, and it always being on my mind. And I'm just trying to be present and live life for what it is now and and just heal. Mm -hmm. And this year we, what, seven months, almost eight months in, um, and it's been beautiful. Um, I launched in March and the brand is always with me. You know, the brand is always with me. But right now I am just trying to live for me as an individual as it relates to who I am like on this earth Mm -hmm. and not needing to feel like I have to serve people at every turn yeah um and so definitely stay tuned for content because it's coming soon um and i would love to connect with all of y'all so y'all can find me on instagram at kyla k-h-a-i-l-a-r-i-e-l so that's kyla r-a-l first and last name um definitely follow hit me up my dms subscribe to the blog the minor detail dot co uh, dot co dot co dot com dot co dot co because we're cool yeah it's the url (laughs) you can find me um but yeah let's definitely connect let's chat let's cultivate relationship let's be our authentic selves um yeah creating just creating that space um there was a, a point where i felt like everything had to be in order and everything had to be perfect and that's not the case and so you're safe with me um i love that yeah Yeah. y'all really should follow her connect with her uh see what she got cooking up she's a gem and so with that being said season two episode two we done it's a wrap finito it was great i hope you guys enjoyed it uh i had a good time y'all literally this is literally how our conversations are yep. no mic yep. no computers no nothing like uh-huh. this is how our conversations are so i'm so glad that y'all got a peek into my friendship with one of my favorite people with my sag sis um thanks for listening thanks for being patient with me thanks for like being so excited that i'm back i literally posted like three times over the last month and everybody's like oh my gosh you're back you're posting it what's going on that and i'm like checking for me i appreciate that (laughs) um so like subscribe to my podcast so you always know when new episodes are up rated that would be nice i love seeing the comments follow me on instagram at hustle.soul and yeah i love to connect with you guys like a lot a lot a lot a lot and it's not just a podcast it's a brand like we got some things cooking taking it slow and steady but I feel like you know with my new job that I talked about on the first episode um in this new space that I'm in I have my creativity back and I'm able to explore and execute the way that I want to but the benefit of therapy is I don't feel rushed to do it um and that's just a beautiful thing and it feels good to create from this space that I've never created from because it's always been from a, a place of um pressure and not peace and so my theme for like life has been operating like I need to move forward operating from a place of peace and not pressure and I feel like that's where I'm at right now I feel like that's like a good summary of this whole episode so on that note follow Kyla follow us on Soul on Instagram subscribe and we will talk to y'all next time bye bye burr, 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 burr.